0: Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you speak to us uh, by your Spirit, through your Word. Uh, We pray that your Spirit would be working now as we look at this passage together, uh, that he would open our hearts and minds to see and love uh, and follow Jesus. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you love me? Do you love me? Uh, Many artists have use that question in their songs, uh, from The Contours in the 1960s, Kiss in the 70s, uh, The Supremes in the 80s, L.A. Guns in the 90s, Ariana Grande in in 2012, and Rene Bendali last year. Do you love me? Uh, People ask that question of their boyfriends or girlfriends to try and decide whether to, to break up or to get married. Do you love me? sometimes people ask that question in relationships where actually love should be expected but doubts have arisen because of the insecurity of the questioner or the behavior of the questionee. do you love me and that question was on the lips of the risen Jesus as he walked with Peter by the sea of Galilee the context for this was set up in our passage last week you remember peter and six other disciples were back at the sea of tiberias or galilee uh, they'd been fishing all night but they caught nothing and a man on the shore called out to them telling them to, to throw their nets to the other side and when they did there were so many fish they had trouble hauling in the net and that's something that's very similar to what happened early on in jesus ministry and john realized that that man was, was Jesus. He told Peter. Peter jumped into the water, swam to the shore. The rest came to the boat, with the, boat uh, with the net full of fish. And when they got to the shore, there was Jesus cooking breakfast for them on a charcoal fire. Once again, Jesus was serving and feeding his disciples, inviting them to fellowship with him, renewing their call to mission. And it's after that breakfast that Jesus raises the question with Simon Peter. Remember, Simon is back in his comfort zone with the boats, the fish, the fishing, the friends, everything that goes into the whole Lake of Galilee fisherman experience. But Jesus says to him in verse 15, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Simon says to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus says, feed my lambs. And then in verse 16, he says a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Tend my sheep. And then he says to him a third time in verse 17, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter's grieved because he says to him a third time, Do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus says to him, Feed my sheep. Now, why is Jesus doing this? Why is he asking him this question? Not once, not twice, three times. He can't be insecure about Peter's love, right? Because the the risen Christ is not insecure about anything. And anyway, as Peter pointed out, he already knows everything. Which means he must be asking for Peter's sake, not his own. For back in chapter 18, near another charcoal fire, Peter had denied Jesus three times. Just as Jesus had predicted And for every time Peter denied Jesus, Jesus now gives him an opportunity to express his love. For every time Peter denied Jesus, Jesus recommissions him to lead his people. Jesus is restoring Peter. He's given his disciples a miraculous catch of fish like he did when he first called them, taking them back to the beginning of of their ministry. And now he's giving Peter, who failed him, a fresh start. Have you ever denied Jesus? By your words or your actions, have you shown yourself to be to be ashamed of Him? Are you sorry now? You want another chance? Jesus brought Peter back to the beginning and gave him a chance to start all over, because that's what Jesus is like. He's merciful and gracious. He was gracious to Peter even after he disowned him. And he is merciful to weak sinners like you and me. He can restore us. We may have failed him in the past, but he can use us once again. But before Jesus commissions Peter, there's one thing he wants him to declare. Do you love me? Do you love me? And friends, that's so crucial, isn't it? Jesus doesn't say to Peter, Okay, have you understood now how I fulfill the Old Testament Scriptures and how it all works? Now, he doesn't say that, but, but, but mind you, the risen Christ spent considerable time with his disciples teaching them that, doesn't he? It's so important. But in the end, that's not what Jesus asks. He doesn't ask Peter about his abilities, his theology, his goals for ministry. No. Again, those things are really important. Don't get me wrong. But they lead up to the big question at the end of it all. Do you love me? Jesus doesn't even ask Peter how he intends to make sure those denial incidents never happen again. What he wants to know is, do you love me? Do you love Jesus our friends we at St. Mary's emphasize the Bible and rightly so it is right that we stress the the study and exposition of Scripture but knowing the Bible well that's that's a means to an end not the end itself right we're not trying to help people know a lot of Bible trivia we want to know the Bible well so that we know Jesus well that we know Jesus better and love him more we want to be careful about false teaching and it's right that we're discerning because we want to get it right when it comes to knowing Jesus we want to love the correct Jesus we want to understand God's Word and obey it rightly to express our love rightly to Jesus our knowledge is important but if we have all faith all knowledge all and have not love Then we are nothing we are keen to do evangelism we want to bring the gospel to people who don't yet know jesus that's why god explore program started today we want to tell the world that jesus is lord that he died for our sins that he rose again we want to see people coming into his kingdom why because we love saint mary's no because we love jesus that's why And we must never, never, never lose sight of that. We must never lose our love for Jesus. Because if we do, then we are simply activists. Everybody has a cause. Our cause will be simply to promote our church, our denomination, our group, or, or whatever. But friends, we don't work for a cause. We work for a king. We serve our king because we love our king. And we love our King because he first loved us. He loved us so much that he died for us. He took our sins to the cross to rescue us. Whatever we do, we do for Jesus. And we do it because we love him. Do you love Jesus? And if you love Jesus, and how do you express it? How can we express it verbally? We say, Lord, I love you. That's, that's what Peter did. That's good. That's not enough, is it? Earlier on in John's Gospel, Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. For Peter here, the command is to be a shepherd among God's people, to feed Christ's sheep. What about us? Well, at one level, Peter's role was unique. He was an apostle. But it's not just the apostles who, who, who feed Christ's lamb. Peter himself, many years later, wrote, writing to church elders, tells them to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. If you're a pastor, an apprentice, or a kids' church teacher, or a parent, or growth group leader, or leader in any kind of work ministry, feed the flock that belongs to Jesus, and do it whatever way is appropriate for your context. Make sure the people you serve are getting nourished with God's word. That is the most important role among God's people and fulfill it because you love Jesus and the rest of us who are leaders in that particular area well our love for Jesus is still shown in how we treat God's people the Apostle John says in his epistle that if we claim to love God and hate our brothers we are liars we will love God's people, we will serve God's people, we will work together with God's people to promote the gospel and to show his love to others. And we will do that because we love Jesus. And so loving Jesus means following Jesus and serving his people. And following Jesus costs. You don't love, you don't really love someone if you're not prepared to make any sacrifices for them. And so charging Peter to feed his sheep, Jesus warns him about what it would mean for him to take up this responsibility. Verses 18 and 19. He says, Truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself, walk wherever you wanted. When you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Might be a little bit cryptic to us, but John explains it. He says in verse 19, he said this to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. Peter like his master, would be martyred. He would die the kind of death one wouldn't want to die. And yet by his death he would bring glory to God. Jesus died for Peter? Peter would die for Jesus. That's the cost of love. Now, Jesus tells all of us to be willing to give up our lives for him, doesn't he? But he doesn't normally tell people how they will die, many years before Was he? Why do you think he tells Peter? Well, even if someone is forgiven for something, it doesn't necessarily mean that they can be put in the same position again. Right? That may not be loving or wise because their weakness has been exposed. And remember, Peter has denied his Lord. So even if Jesus forgives him, what's to say he won't do it again? Can he be trusted with leadership among God's people? Well, the prophecy of Jesus actually assures Peter and it assures the other disciples as well that next time it's going to be different. In this particular case, what happened in the past is no indication of the future. The forgiven Peter would be a new man and would follow Jesus all the way to death. Jesus was right last time when he told Peter that he was going to deny him. This time, he assures him that he's going to be faithful. And that assurance of Jesus is just what Peter needs to be able to move on. And so after Peter affirms his love for Jesus, Jesus warns him about the future, he calls him, as he did three years before, when he first became his disciples, at the end of verse 20, he says to him, follow me. Follow me. What does Peter do? Well, it's actually a little bit comical, really. Jesus is having this really serious talk about, with Peter about his future death, challenging him once again to, to leave the life of fishing and to follow him. And then in verse 21, Peter turns and sees John, and in verse 22, uh, uh, he turns and sees John and he says, Lord, what about this man? What about this man? It's, it's like when you have little kids, isn't it? Right? You tell one kid to go to bed at 8 p.m., and what will he do? He will point to his sister and say, what about her? Why do I have to go to bed at 8 p.m. if my older sister gets to stay up until 10? What do you tell your son when he asks you that question? What What do your parents say to you when you said that to them not that many years ago? She's older. She needs less sleep. She had a rest today. She's at afternoon school, doesn't need to wake up so early. She doesn't have an exam tomorrow. But suppose you were the father and you couldn't really explain to your son all the different reasons and all the situation why the, the, your daughter has a different position from her, either because he's too young to understand or it's something confidential between you and her, or you really felt it's none of his business, what would you say? You could say something like this. Son, you have to go to bed at eight o'clock because that's what is best for you. As far as your sister's concerned, that's a completely different story, has nothing to do with you. Even if I wanted her to stay up until midnight, that's entirely between me and her. You don't have to worry about her bedtime, I will sort that out. All I want you to do is obey me and go to bed when I tell you. And that is essentially what Jesus says to Peter. In verse 22, he says, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? What is that to you? The brotherly competition that we've seen in the narrative between Peter and John these last few weeks is resolved in the end here by Jesus basically telling Peter to mind his own business. And then he patiently and graciously repeats his call to Peter again. and says, You follow me. You follow me. And friends, there are ways that God treats us together, corporately. But there are also ways in which God treats us individually. His plan for my life is different from his plan for your life. Of course, his overall plan for us is to say that we should glorify God by becoming more and more like Christ. But the details, how we get from here to there, they're different. And we mustn't compare how he treats us with how he treats other people. Now, this is something I cannot emphasize enough because all the time, we, we're just so prone to looking at each other. We look at the other person and say, how come this person seems to have it so easy when I struggle so hard? How come the road of discipleship seems to be got so much more sacrifice for me than for my brother over there? Why is my sister over there giving so many gifts I'm not? How can she can do that? I can't. What's that to you? Jesus says. What's that to you? Don't compare yourself to others. Your job is to grow and more and more like me in character from where you are. Your job is to love and serve me by loving and serving others with the gifts and opportunities that I have given you. Don't look at other people. Look at me. You follow me. John doesn't describe how Peter responds to this call of Jesus. Other parts of the New Testament tell us that he went on to become a great leader in the early church, who faithfully and courageously preached the gospel. John doesn't tell us. He leaves it open. And by doing so, he causes us to reflect on on Jesus' call for ourselves. And so I wonder if there's anyone here, anyone watching this online, who needs to hear that call all over again. Maybe you heard Jesus call you many years ago, and you followed him. But somehow or other, like Peter, you lost your way. Maybe you made some bad decisions. Maybe the cost got too high. Maybe you looked at other Christians and got disillusioned. Maybe you just drifted. But today you know that Jesus is risen, You know that he loves you and that he died for you. And you know deep down inside that you still love him. And Jesus calls you like he called Peter. He warns you that it won't be easy. That following him will be tough. That you'll endure difficulty and suffering and persecution that you won't want to face. And that you can't look at other people and say, what about him, Lord? But Jesus will keep you. As you walk with him on your path, not anyone else's. And along that road that he set for you, he will be with you. And through whatever you go through, the good times as well as the pain, you bring glory to God because you love him. Jesus loves you he warns you of the cost and he says to you again like he said to you all those years ago follow me will you like Peter follow Jesus once again and in doing so will you serve his people Anyone who's been in a community of people, including a church community, for some time, will know that misunderstandings are common. In fact, they're almost guaranteed. And that rumors start as a result of misunderstandings. Uh, Even in our church, I hear all kinds of rumors from time to time which I know are not true. We are uh, not something to worry too much because. There were rumors and misunderstandings in the early church as well, isn't it? And we're told in verse 23 that the saying spread abroad abroad among the brothers, not the disciples at the time, but the later Christians who heard the story, that this disciple was not to die. That's not what Jesus said. It's a misunderstanding. But this particular misunderstanding could be dangerous because, well, Jesus didn't promise that. And if people thought that he did, then when John eventually dies, well, it will look like the promises of Jesus are not coming true. And that would undermine the faith of God's people. So that makes it serious. John, therefore, clarifies in the second half of verse 23 that Jesus didn't say to him he wasn't to die. He just said, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? He clarifies the misunderstanding. Well, misunderstandings can be dangerous today also if they undermine the faith of people. Uh, When people think that God promised something that he didn't. For example, Jesus never promised that health and wealth would be with everyone who follows him. But there are some brothers and sisters who mistakenly spread these rumors and, well, they need to be clarified, isn't it? By making it clear what Jesus did say, because otherwise... They don't come true. It looks like the promises of God fail. And the faith of God's people will be undermined. So John clarifies what Jesus said. And in doing so, he outs himself to us. Now, all this time he's been referring to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. For example, back in verse 20, he talked about the disciple whom Jesus loved, who had been reclining at table close to him, said, Lord, who is, going to betray, who is going to betray you? Taking it back to earlier on. Calls himself the disciple Jesus loved. But now, he says, you know how I know all this? Well, that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's me, the author of this book. This, verse 24, is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things, who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. In this this book, he's bearing witness to the things that he has seen, he has touched, he has heard. Bearing witness to Jesus himself. And his witness is true. It's authoritative. But it is not exhaustive. John has not told us everything about Jesus. He says very clearly in verse 25, there are many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Right? There's, we can't communicate everything there is to know about anyone, let alone the eternal Son of God. We can't know everything about everyone. But we know enough to love and trust some people, and not to trust others. John's Gospel tells us everything we need in order to believe in Jesus, to trust him, and to have eternal life. The Bible tells us everything that we need to know Jesus, to love him, to serve his people. And in the end, that's all we need to know. Because that's all we need to do. Believe in Jesus. Love Him. Obey Him. So let me conclude by asking you once again, do you believe in Jesus? Do you trust Him as the Son of God, your Savior? And if you believe in Him, do you love Him? And if you love him, do you love him more than anything else in the world? More than the fish and the boats? More than the books and the distinctions? More than the career and the recognition? More than the car and the house? More than your social media? More than planes and hotels and kids and schools and property and portfolio and whatever it might be that takes your fancy? Do you love me, Jesus asks you, more than these? Then serve me by serving my people. Don't worry about others. You follow me, even unto death, and trust the testimony of the apostles, like John, who speak of me. Let's bow our heads. And let's take a moment of silence to consider the question of Jesus to Peter and to us. Do you love me? Let us consider the command of Jesus much as it applies to us, feed my sheep. Let us consider the call of Jesus on each one of our lives, follow me. We read to you the lyrics of a hymn that was sung here this morning. Hark my soul, it is the Lord, Is thy Saviour, hear his word. Jesus speaks and speaks to thee, Say, poor sinner, loves thou me. And the answer? lord it is my chief complaint that my love is weak and faint yet i love thee and adore oh for grace to love thee more